Chapter Eight of the Tysons by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Eight, Towards the Crossroads. It was the beginning of the hunting season, and with the hunting season, Louis Stanistreet reappeared on the scene. He stayed at Thornytoft as usual. Tyson had just bought a new hunter, a remarkable animal it fell away suddenly in the hindquarters it had a neck like a giraffe and legs like a spider but it could jump if not very like a horse very like a kangaroo this creature struck wonder and terror into the soul of the hunt at the first meet of the season stanistreet the master and sir peter drew up by one accord to watch the antics of tyson and his kangaroo by jove where does your friend pick up his hunters asked the master if you ask me said stanistreet i should say he buys them by the yard sir peter smiled the master stroked his moustache and meditated there was a malignity about stanistreet's humour conceivable enough if there was any truth in history it struck stanistreet that his feeble jest met with an amount of attention out of all proportion to its merits sir peter was the first to recover himself your friend may buy his horses by the yard but he doesn't ride like a tailor he rides like a man look at him look at him this was generous of sir peter considering what tyson had said about his riding but for all his love of gossip sir peter was a gentleman and that goose weighed heavily on his conscience the reproof he had just administered to stanistreet relieved him wonderfully stanistreet was at a loss to understand the old fellow's caustic tone over billiards that night tyson enlightened him louis had been in a good temper all day and his high spirits had infected mrs neville tyson a fact which you may be sure was not set down to her credit by those who noticed it i heard your riding praise this morning ty said he beaming with beneficence they were alone ha said tyson did you rather binfield was asking where you picked your hunters up got his eye on the kangaroo i fancy i ventured to suggest in my agreeable way that you bought them by the yard tyson looked furious louis went on unconscious of his doom old morley went for me like a lunatic said you didn't ride like a tailor you rode like a man queer old buffer morley couldn't think what was the matter with him tyson laid down his cue and held stanistreet with a levelling gaze look here stanistreet said he i've stood a good deal but if you think i'm going to stand that you're a greater fool than i took you for what the hell do you mean by telling everybody about my private affairs my dear tyson a man who rides to hounds regularly on a kangaroo has no private affairs he is ipso facto a public character he threw back his head and shouted his laughter you've built yourself an everlasting name oh no doubt if morley knows it everybody knows it you might just as well confide in the town crier he sat down and pressed his hands to his forehead this he said bitterly accounts for everything stanistreet stared at him in hopeless bewilderment what is the matter with you nothing i'm not going to kick you out of the house i only ask you as long as you are in it to mind your own business i can't i haven't any business no one could be more exasperating than the guileless louis tyson darted another glance at him that was quite fiendish in its ferocity and flung himself on the sofa sprawling there with his hands in his pockets he remarked with freezing politeness 
i don't say much stanistreet but i think it a damned deal my dear orlando furioso surely a harmless jest so you think it funny do you to tell these people that my father was a tailor it wouldn't be funny if it was false but as it happens to be true it's simply stupid i never said your father was a tailor don't trouble yourself to lie about it he was a tailor the minuteness of his business only added to the enormity of his crime he was born in an attic on a pile of old breeches he was a damned dissenter called himself a particular baptist he kept a stinking slop shop in bishopsgate street and a still more stinking schism shop in shoreditch why the devil shouldn't he murmured louis salvation free gratis for nothing and five per cent discount for ready money louis was amused but profoundly uncomfortable this particular detail of tyson's biography was not one of the things he knew if it had been he would naturally have avoided the most distant allusion to it as it happened in his ignorance he seemed to have been perpetually blundering up against the circumstance he went on clumsily enough if it was i didn't know it and if i had known it it wouldn't have interested me in the least you interest me you are and always will be unique you're an awful fool stanistreet by your own admission morley is acquainted with this charming romance what if he is the inference is obvious you told him good god if i did do you suppose that morley or any one else would care does anybody care what another fellow's father was as a matter of fact i neither knew nor cared but for your own genius for autobiography i should never have heard of it that's odd considering that you've made capital out of it ever since i knew you it supplied the point of all your witticisms that weren't failures i assure you your delicate humour was not lost on me considering that i've known you for at least twenty years those jokes must have worn a little uh threadbare i'm extremely sorry for these these breaches of etiquette i shall do my best to repair them that's a specimen of the thing you mean i imagine from sheer nervousness louis did what was generally the best thing to do after any little squabble with tyson he laughed unfortunately this time tyson was in no mood for laughter the plebeian was uppermost in him his wrongs rankled in him like a hereditary taint this absurd quarrel with stanistreet was a skirmish in the blood feud of class against class tyson was morbidly sensitive on the subject of his birth but latterly he had almost forgotten it it had become an insignificant episode in the long roll of his epic past now for the first time for years it was recalled to him with a rude shock how real it was too as he thought of it he was back in the stifling little shop Fah! how it reeked of shoddy back in the whitewashed chapel hot with the fumes of gas and fervent humanity he heard the hymn sung to a rollicking tune i am so glad that my father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given i am so glad that jesus loves me jesus loves me jesus loves me i am so glad that jesus loves me etc etc the hateful measure rang in his ears racking his nerves and brain he could feel all the agony of his fierce revolting youth the very torment of it had been a spur to his ambition he swore young tyson was always swearing that he would raise himself out of all that he would distinguish himself at any cost as a matter of fact the cost was borne by the baptist minister 
the world represented then by his tutor and a few undergraduates the world that he suspected of looking down on him or more intolerable still of patronizing him should be compelled to admire him and the world being young and generous did admire him without any strong compulsion at oxford the city tailor's son scribbled talked debated furiously the excited utterance of the man of the people naked and unashamed passed for the insolence of the aristocrat of letters he crowned himself with kudos how the beggars shouted when he got up to speak he could hear them now how they believed in him young tyson was a splendid fellow he could do anything he chose knock you off a leading article or lead a forlorn hope in time he began to be rather proud of his origin it showed up his pluck his grit the stuff he was made of he owed everything to himself and that last year when he let himself go altogether there again his origin told he had flung himself into dissipation in the spirit of dissent his passions were the passions of demos violent and revolutionary tyson the baptist minister had despised the world vituperated the flesh stamped on it and stifled it under his decent broadcloth if it had any rights he denied them therefore in the person of his son they reasserted their claim and young tyson paid it honourably and conscientiously to the full in a year's time he knew enough of the world and the lust of it to satisfy the corrupt affections of generations of baptist ministers with the result that his university career was suddenly mysteriously cut short he had made too many experiments with life after that his life had been all experiments most of them failures but they served to separate him forever from his place and his people from all the hateful humiliating past he could still say that he owed everything to himself then his uncle's death gave him the means of realizing his supreme ambition by that time he had forgotten that he ever had an uncle his family had effaced itself backed by an estate and a good income there was no reason why its last surviving member should not be a conspicuous social success well it seemed that he was a conspicuous social failure he owed that to stannis street curse him curse him his brain still reeled and he roused himself with difficulty from his retrospective dream when he spoke again it was with the conscious incisiveness of a drunken man trying hard to control his speech would you mind telling me who you've told this story to lady morley for one my wife he raised his voice in his excitement my wife i suppose for another stanistreet had every reason for not wanting to quarrel with tyson he liked a country house that he could run down to when he chose he liked a good mount he liked a faultless billiard table and oddly enough with all his faults he liked neville tyson and he had a stronger motive now consciously or unconsciously he felt that his friendship for tyson was a safeguard a safeguard against he hardly knew what but the idea of mrs neville tyson was like fire to his dry mood his brain flared up all in a moment though his tongue spoke coolly enough i swear i never did anything of the sort i haven't seen your wife for ages till to-night we don't correspond if we did he stopped suddenly if i did that sort of thing at all mrs tyson is the very last person oblige me by keeping her name out of it tyson's voice carried far through the door and across the passage penetrating to pinker in his pantry i didn't introduce it all right i'm not asking you to lie again no doubt everybody knows the facts by this time 
i'm going to turn the lights out stanistreet pulled himself together with a shrug if any other man had hinted to him in the most graceful and allegorical manner that he lied it would have been better for that man if he had not spoken but he forgave tyson many things and for many reasons one of these perhaps being a certain shamefaced consciousness touching tyson's wife by the way said he are you going to keep this up very much longer it's getting rather monotonous tyson turned and paused with his hand on the doorknob he snarled showing his teeth like an angry cur irritated beyond endurance if you mean am i going to take your word for that frankly i am not he flung the door open and strode out stanistreet followed him i think tyson said he if i want to catch that early train to-morrow i'd better take my things over to the crossroads to-night just as you like so stanistreet betook himself to the crossroads End of chapter 8 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine